Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. chapter 1 and verse 8, and you can remain seated, but in Acts 1 and 8, we're going to continue from here in our series on uh, on foundations and ask the Lord to help us one more time. For several, several weeks, we have been, uh, we have been focusing on the fundamental building blocks, foundational stones of the apostolic church, the church itself. And uh, I'm thankful to know what I know about the scripture. I, I certainly am not the Bible answer man, don't have all of the answers and don't understand everything, but I'm thankful for what I do have. And, uh, and so as we visit things that make us who we are and what we are, we must understand that beneath the core and uh, the veneer of perhaps demonstrative praise and worship and and uh, music and singing and programs and ministries at the core of all of that are the things that actually is the engine behind the success of any church. And so uh, we have been talking about the fundamental things that make the church the church. I've entitled this series Foundations because it's certainly important what foundation we're built on. Um, the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part, part of the earth. And so today from Acts 1 and 8, which is a very, very familiar scripture to many of you, I want to talk about our commitment to evangelism. Amen. Committed to evangelism. We must propagate the gospel. And that mandate is not laid upon the shoulders of just a few. That mandate is not laid upon the shoulders of just those who perhaps have the title or the calling of a pulpit ministry. But God has called each and every one of us to be committed to evangelism, to spread the gospel. Amen. Although corporations spend billions of dollars annually to advertise their wares. Experts still say that nothing is more effective than mouth-to-mouth advertising, word-to-mouth. Just one person that is impressed with a product and begins to share that. And uh, so when one person who is committed to something begins to talk about that, that that word doesn't die there in a vacuum. It's a process that continues the number of people who hear that word begins then to grow exponentially. And so while it may be somewhat slow, it is sure because you're talking about people with experience and not someone with just an opinion. 
And so the kingdom of God is absolutely no exception. So in spreading the gospel, whether that is one-on-one or social media, it is that word of mouth evangelism that cannot be equaled. There are many, many ways to advertise, and that's a poor word perhaps, but there are many ways to advertise today for a church just like anything else. But we, the most effective witness that we have are those that are in this house today. Amen. If you've got the Holy Ghost, and uh, then we need to share that. I, I will refer back to uh, the 8th of June, just a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. We had a special service that we called Generation to Generation. Three of our elders in the church uh, began to talk about their conversion and and uh, the revelation of the Godhead to them and baptism in Jesus' name and and uh, where we are, where we are, uh, comparing their generation to our generation. And then also we ask them, what would they say to a, to this generation? What would they say to new converts? And uh, I was so impressed, not only with their testimonies of yesterday about what God had done in their lives and where the Lord had brought them, but I was branded in my heart of, of how each and every one of them would pause at, at various uh, moments in their sharing of their experience and just address the audience and not address just Brother Osborne who was conducting this interview for the lack of a better word. And they would say, if you have not experienced this, you need to have this. And so they, they were talking about this is what the Lord has done for me. In their case, because of their age and the longevity of living for the Lord, they were talking about something that God had initiated in their life decades before June the 8th of 2016. But they made, they made it relevant to June the 8th because they said, if you haven't tried this, if you haven't experienced this, you've never lived until you experience this. And so what was that? That's one-on-one evangelism, talking about someone who has had this experience, not always wanted to have an experience. If you want to learn how to farm, you need to talk to somebody that is farming, not somebody that's always wanted to farm. Amen. And so I want to talk to somebody who has already been there, already has corn in the crib, as the old saying goes. And so when we like something, we tell our friends about it. If you have experienced something, then you absolutely are going to talk about that. And, uh, and so when we believe in something, then we're going to share that with someone else. Uh, the multitude that gathered on the day of the Pentecost, they gathered together the multitude that came as an end result of the outpouring of the Spirit of God being noised abroad or being talked about. Somebody was sharing this. Somebody was talking about that. It has been accurately said that before we could ever talk to man about God, then we first must talk to God about man. And the reason for that is we need God on our side. We need God to uh, be the undergirding of our testimony. We need God to be the, uh, the, the spiritual aspect of whatever we're saying because the Bible said that it's the anointing of God that destroys the yoke. And so we need that, we need that yoke destroying power behind us. And so no matter how important our testimony may be or even how relevant it may be to someone we're talking to or talking about or sharing with the Lord about, we need the anointing of God to be upon that particular moment in time or that conversation. And so it's through the doors of prayer 
that God or through the venue of prayer that God can knock on the doors of heart and of men's hearts. And so I, uh, I use that, that's a scriptural term. The Bible talks about Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And so I use that as a, a scriptural reference, but I believe that we need to understand the value of our prayer to, to make sure that God is on our side. I believe that God can go before us. Amen. His spirit can already speak to men or speak to women about the condition of their soul. And so that's critical. As a matter of fact, it's scriptural. In the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, God knocked on the, on the heart's door of the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. The Lord spoke to him before man could ever speak to him. The Lord talked to him. Again, in the very next chapter, Acts 10, we find that God essentially does the same thing in the house of a man by the name of Cornelius, how that God was already on that end. He was already working. But you see, in order for that circuit to be complete, God needed another man to go talk to that man. And so God is not just gonna, he's not going to extract himself out of the process no more than he's going to extract us out of the process. And so we can't negate our responsibility to evangelism. While we must do everything that we can to evangelize the lost, it is the spirit of God drawing an individual that's necessary for them to ever be able to respond because we can't tell a story powerful enough to break the yoke of sin. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. And so we need God with us. No matter what the Lord has done in your life, it's a wonderful thing to share that, but we need the anointing of the Lord with us as we share that testimony because the anointing is what sets men free from the chains and the bonds of, uh, of sin. And so it's the spirit drawing. Our programs at best can draw a crowd, but it's his word pulling that can change a heart. And uh, the difference between a crowd and a church, uh, a crowd can be gathered anywhere for any reason, but when we're gathered together having church, that's where lives can be changed. In the atmosphere that we're in this very moment, this is where lives can be changed. And so we need the spirit and the presence of the Lord to be with us. We need to beckon first, Lord, please be in our midst. Amen. This morning, long before it was time to even come over to this property, I was asking God to be in this house. Be with us today. Stand with me today. Preach with me. Teach with me. Anoint my lips. Why? Because at best, this will be man's effort. At very best, this will be man's effort. But if God can speak to a heart here today, amen, if we'll open up a place and if we'll create a venue where God can move, he longs to do just that. Evangelism. Evangelism is at the very core of the New Testament church, the heart of the New Testament church. As a matter of fact, evangelism is the most important task of the church. We have a mandate upon our lives to share the gospel with every person in this world. These are not suggestions. These are not things that the Lord says, you know, if you get around to it, the opportunity is there. There is no greater charge that is given to the church than spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the question that I would follow that with is why would we not want to share? If God has really done something for us, why would we not want to tell this story? Amen, we have a responsibility as a church and as individuals 
to evangelize our community. And I draw a line between those two because, and I do that on purpose because if we say we have a responsibility as a church, it's very easy for us to look at the church as just an entity. A, a body of people and and so that that collectively when we're speaking collectively and in broad terms it's easy to feel comfortable in that and then release ourselves from the responsibility but when we talk about that there is a responsibility as a church realizing that individuals are what make up the church so then we say we have a responsibility as a church and we have a responsibility individually to evangelize not only our community but the entire world And so the responsibility doesn't just fall to the hands of just a couple or just a few, but the responsibility gnaws into the shoulders of each and every one of us to touch the world. To be sure, evangelistic efforts demand both time and money. Additionally, we can't say enough about prayer when it comes to evangelism because all of our efforts of uh, of, of reaching out, all of our testimony, all of our fan- finances would all just be ineffective if we don't have prayer first. The scripture commands us to become involved in evangelism. Although evangelism is commanded in the Bible, let me say this, it shouldn't have to be. Although it is a mandate, although it is a command, we shouldn't say, well, I, I gotta do this because the Bible says I gotta do this. There ought to be something in our heart, especially when we meet hurting, empty people, to be able to say, I know what you need. I know what you're looking for. Amen. I, I, I don't know how many of you uh, may have watched recently someone had posted on uh, a little small video clip, an interview of Brother and Sister Arnold who re- recently celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary and they uh, were uh, they were someone was talking to them about about that journey and if you watch that you know where I'm going with this and how how they were standing at the altar of another church and someone was saying this is what you need to do and and sister Arnold who had who had been raised in what we may call refer to as foster care uh, as a child, somewhere along that journey, she had been in, uh, with a family in, of United Pentecostal Church and she understood that there, there is more to this than just what we're being told right here. We need to have the Holy Ghost, the, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so I'm thankful to understand the value of that. Amen. We, why, why wouldn't we not want to share with someone? She knew. They were hungry and she knew that her husband was hungry for an outpouring of something in his life and she had the key to that. She understood it just as a child. She didn't understand all she understands today but she knew there's something here and so I'm asking you this morning, why wouldn't you wanna share that with somebody if you see the hopelessness in their heart, the hurt in their heart, the emptiness in their life? I wanna share that. I wanna talk about that. The lost condition of, of, of our world ought to be enough. That alone ought to be enough to elicit compassion in the heart of every child of God. Jesus said in Mark 16 and 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There has never been a greater task and it has never been more succinctly stated Go to all the world, preach to every creature. Go to all the world, preach to every creature. We don't have to walk away from that statement and wonder, I wonder what my task is. We don't have to walk away from that statement with a question mark as to our job description. 
He simply, he simply, as simple as it may sound, Jesus did not say stay, but he said go, go. Staying where we are, standing where we are, remaining in a static position will not evangelize the world. And so uh, additionally, planting all the seed in one spot, you're obviously going to reduce the size of the harvest. So we can have all the seed in the world, but we can't just dig one hole and throw it in one hole. But generally, a farmer is gonna take the seed that they have, and they're not just gonna plant it in this field, but they're gonna plant it in another field, and another, and another, and another. And so we gotta continue, amen, to understand the value of planting the seed no matter where we go. You know, the, uh, the, the New Testament talks about one person planting the seed Someone else watering the seed. We obviously know that it is God that gives the increase. I try to pray often about our outreach ministries from our church because I understand that someone is planting the seed. And in some of the, some of the structures of our outreach ministry, we may have to be relegated to someone else watering that seed. We understand that God, though, is not limited by who is planting or limited by who is watering. It is God that can give the increase. And so we by faith say, I want you, Lord, to touch and just anoint. I don't know who's, I know, I, we know who's planting the seed. We don't know whose heart really the seed is falling into and we have no idea that of that aha moment. They may hear the word today. They may not understand it. They may not get a revelation of something until way down the road. But when they do, thank God, someone is there to water that seed and to speak of it. And God is right there ready to give the increase of that. And so the only way that we can fulfill the commitment or the command, go to all the world, preach to every creature, amen, is to make sure that we understand that we have the the, the understanding in our heart of Acts 1 and 8 that says ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. These are not words spoken just to the ministry. These are not words spoken just to the leadership of the church, but ye shall be witnesses. And so everyone that has been born again of the water and the spirit is called to live out this mandate in our life every day. Although we are to witness to those around us, go means leaving behind. Go means going away or to travel or to move along or to proceed but because there's no distance that is stated. It may be involved as something as simple as walking across the street. It may be involved as something as simple as just walking down the hallway of your office complex. It may be something as simple as just walking over to someone in a store and praying for them or speaking with them or being kind to them, sharing something with them, but it means go. Sometimes we're afraid to go because we're afraid to go at all because we think if we go at all, it means go to Africa. We're afraid to move at all because sure as the world, if I move, God's gonna send me to Alaska. It may be just as simple as walking down the hallway. It may be as simple as going to the other side of the store. But Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, that includes the whole world. In 2016, we certainly have no excuse not to witness to the world. We have more at our fingertips today than we have ever had 
Amen. So our call is to evangelize the, although our call is to evangelize the world in general, it appears that, that God certainly does call people to specific fields of labor. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. In Acts chapter 16 verses 9 through 11, Paul speaks of a vision that came to him to go to Macedonia. He was called to a specific field of labor. How many times have we had missionaries that came by our way that God called them to specific fields of labor? Amen, I know every missionary was called, but my point in bringing that up is how many of those missionaries shared with us about that calling? I remember Brother and Sister Ray Nichols and their calling to Poland and how God gave birth to that. Brother and Sister Wallace, most recently, and the call that God placed upon their heart as they were doing something else. They were pastoring a church in North Carolina, but God spoke to their heart. The Nichols family were involved in education, a Christian education were well into their 40s. I believe he was 42 uh, when the Lord began to deal with them about evangelism, God, or about, about global missions in, in Poland. And so God called them to specific fields of labor. Amen. I'm thankful that, that God still calls, and I'm thankful that men still listen. Men and women still listen to that call of God. He was very specific, called very specifically to a field of labor. I think it's also important to understand that Paul did not go reluctantly to this field of labor. The scripture talks about that he was constrained to share the gospel. He didn't go reluctantly, but, but they answered the call of God upon their lives to do whatever it was that God would have them do. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9 and 16, he said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I must preach the gospel. There's something in me. I must preach it. And so I pray Lord, let that same readiness, let that same willingness be in me. Let it be in all of us that we would be a willing heart, a willing and obedient listener. Paul's burden for the loss was great, but so was his ability. And so God doesn't call us without equipping us. And as, as we've heard it stated very recently that, that God doesn't always call the equipped, but he does always equip the called. And so God will place in our heart exactly what we need. And so Paul had a great ability. Not only was he ready to preach the gospel, but Paul preached the gospel very effectively. And I think it's important that we understand that there is a difference between doing something and doing something effectively. And so we don't want to just have church, but we want to have church effectively. You don't want to just have Sunday school or have programs, but we want to have that effectively. We want there to be some end result of all of that. The task of world evangelism, without a doubt, is staggering. When we think about winning, touching, reaching the world with the gospel, that alone is a statement that casts such a shadow that we would wonder within our own self, how could I ever make a difference in reaching the world? But the Lord has called us to do all we can do to reach the whole world with the whole gospel. We can make a difference. We absolutely can make a difference. We can make a difference through home Bible studies. We can make a difference through prison ministry, Sunday school and children's ministry, student ministries, just to name a few. We would say, well, how in the world is that making a difference? I'm going to tell you some, some of, somewhere that all the missionaries in the, in the United Pentecostal Church, all of them were children at some point. 
All of them were young people at some point. And so you never know. You never know. Brother Ronnie Hendricks, pastors of Tremendous Church in Madisonville, Kentucky, was brought to church uh, on, on a church bus or a church van. That's how he started coming to the church. His family didn't go to church. But someone had a burden for children and began to pick up children and bring them. And so Brother Hendricks began to attend the church. He grew up in their Sunday school department. He grew up in their youth department. Amen. And today, and for many years, for almost 40 years, Brother Hendricks has pastored the very church that he came to as a child. So how can we, how can we touch that? How can we touch the world? You don't ever know who you're touching when you touch a child. You don't ever know who you're touching when you touch an adult. You don't know where God is going to call them or where God is going to use them. And so if we get overwhelmed with a task and just disconnect ourselves altogether, then we have absolutely circumvented the will and the plan of God. There are all kinds of mission efforts, both globally and in North America. The key to reaching our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ is the outreach of the local church. It has to begin at home. There is no other single function of the local church outside of worship that justifies its existence any more than evangelism. Amen. Amen. I know that that kind of cuts across the grain of our thinking sometimes, but we're called to be worshipers. That's why God even gave us breath, to be worshipers. Amen, but the second thing that that justifies the existence of the church is for us not to come to some corner of the world and set up tent and set up camp, set up our tents and set up camp and then just say, well, I found it and that's good enough for me. But we are the local church to help evangelize the world. Amen. We're here to praise and worship. We're here also to propagate and witness. Amen. Although we want to see people respond to the gospel, hear me. Although we really do want to see people respond to the gospel, the most important thing we need to worry over is whether or not we are making the effort to share the message. Amen. Every week, almost every week, we walk away from this church, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, but almost every week we dismiss a service, and I walk away and go home, and I think about all the needs that were there and the people that did not respond to those needs. Now, I could go home and be held hostage by that. Amen, I really could go home and be held hostage by that. And, and I don't ever want to get complacent about it, but here's the thing. I, I, want to, I want to make sure that we're casting the seed. That's my call. I can't make people respond. I can't get people in a headlock. Amen, all I can do is present the gospel. All I can do is present the spirit of God, the word of God, and then from that point, it, and from that point forward, then it is up to us what we will do. I will say this, I am, I am concerned. Let me say this to Holy Ghost filled people. Let me say this to saints of this church. Amen, I am, I am very concerned when the Spirit of God is moving and only 10 or 15% of the church responds. I'm very concerned about that. Amen, I don't understand how the presence and the power of God can be so palatable and Holy Ghost filled people cannot respond. I don't get that. Amen. So let me pass it here for just a moment. If I'm talking to you this morning, you need to do something about that. Amen. You don't need to respond for my sake. You don't need to move for my sake. But I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God is moving and when the water is troubled, that's when the healing is going to happen. That's when the Spirit of God is moving. 
And so we need to respond. We need to respond some way, shape, form, or fashion, not just wonder how much longer is this going to last. We need to respond. But I'm talking about something this morning, casting the seed. We can cast the seed on the ground, and you never know where or when that seed is going to come up. I do appreciate those seasons of time where God allows us to have some insight to to the harvest. I do appreciate that. I've shared this story several times, but I I think it's fitting here. And uh, this is not just a time filler. Hopefully this will help somebody. But we were preaching one time and and, uh, there was a family that was visiting that church. And after church, that man told me that he was a night manager of a grocery store, was leaving church right then to go to work. About two o'clock in the morning that same, uh, that, that same night or the next morning, if you follow that, uh, the Spirit of the Lord woke me up. And I felt impressed to go down to that store to witness to him, to talk to him about, the, to talk to him about something. I, the Lord didn't give me any word past just go. And so when I went into the store, it was in the, a, a rather small town, and so there wasn't that many people in there at two or three o'clock in the morning. And so he saw me when I walked in and spoke, and I just kept walking up and down the aisles praying, Lord, just open an opportunity, open a door. I'm here. I don't know what else to do past this point. And uh, wasn't a lot of shopping, wasn't a lot of things that we needed at that particular point. So I was just kind of making my way up and down the aisle, picked up a few things, checked out, and was on my way out the door. Whenever he said, hey, preacher, have you got a minute? We stepped back into a back room or a side room there, and, and we were talking. And, I, and I'm telling you that everything that I went to say, I'm not saying this to embellish the story. I, I promise you I left there feeling so defeated because... What I meant to say this, I said that. When I went to say this, I said that. And I just felt like the whole conversation was an absolute blunder. I got back and my truck went back home and, and I never saw them again for about 18 months. But I, I never could let myself off of the hook of, why did you say that? Why did you say this? He asked this question, and this is how you answered him. And 18 months later, I saw that man, and, uh, and he came walking up to me, and he said, do you remember me? And he was holding his baby, and I was trying to connect the dots. He said, I am the man that you talked to in the wee hours of the morning at the grocery store. And tears started coming down his cheeks, and this, this is what he said. He said, it was just something about the words you said. Well, I knew better than that. <laughs> I knew that had to be a God thing that was going on right there because I felt like everything I said came out completely wrong. I, I felt like everything I said just fell in my lap. If I, I needed a bib is how I felt because everything I said I felt like was running down my shirt. But you see, God got a hold of that situation and that man's heart and his entire family was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I would just want to share that with you. Thank you, Lord, for letting me see that. But God didn't have to let me see that. And so we can't think that all of our efforts are in vain because you don't know. That person you witnessed two, five years ago, they may be in church somewhere this morning. You don't know that. Amen. We, so we cannot be so caught up in the response of people as much as we ought to be caught up in making sure that I've got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of you have heard me share the story, but I'm telling you that uh, over the door of my office as I walk out is a sign that says, through this door will I pass to face my ultimate challenge, feed my sheep. 
Amen. That came to me in prayer. That came to me in prayer because I was saying, God, what can we do to, to have this church grow? What can we do for your spirit to be here? And the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, just feed my sheep. That's all I need you to do is just feed the sheep. Amen. That burdened me. That impressed and impacted my heart so much that I had that made and put over my door to realize that what I gotta do today is not be worried about how many get healed, how many get the Holy Ghost, how many are baptized. I just gotta come with a meal to this pulpit. Praise God. That's what I gotta do. I gotta come to with this to this pulpit with a meal. Amen. So we sow the seed. Here's what we know about seed. If you sow the seed, there will be a crop. So we must not think so much about the reaping that we forget to sow. The phrase, ye shall be witnesses in Acts 1 and 8 means those that testify or they that give evidence. The Lord is not calling everybody to preach or to be a preacher, to be a missionary or evangelist or things of that nature. But the Lord is calling each and every one of us to testify about what the Lord has done for you. And do you know there's somebody in your realm of influence that would desire to hear about what the Lord has done for you, what he has done in your life. And so he's calling us to testify about that. And an and organized program, obviously, in the local church is helpful, but the ideal situation is for everybody in the local church to be effectively witnessing. Amen, I'm not taking away from organized efforts, but there's no more powerful influence than the influence that's sitting on these pews. And when we walk into a place of business or to our job, amen, the Bible says you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, in the uttermost part of the earth. Jerusalem represents our own community. Judea represents, if we can put it in language perhaps we can see more clearly through, Jerusalem represents our own community. Judea represents our own state. Samaria may represent the neighboring states or our nation, but the uttermost part of the earth represents the entire world. Amen. So here's, here's where we are. There should be no difference in our burden for the soul across the street than there is for the soul across the state than there is for the soul across the sea. Amen. Our burden ought to be connected to the lostness of mankind. A burden of souls, among other things, is just the recognition of the lostness of men. We need to be sensitive to the Spirit and know when and know where to witness. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to have a ready answer in our heart, a willingness at all times to give an answer. When somebody says, I don't understand about the hope that is in you, that may not be how they word it, but I don't understand how you have so much peace. I don't understand how you can be going through all of this and yet you still stay faithful to God. They're really saying, can you tell me about that hope that is in you in this hopeless world, in this hopeless situation in society? Can you tell me a little bit about the hope? We need to be able to say, pull up a chair. Let me just tell you what the Lord has done for me. You say, well, Brother Boyd, I don't really understand how to, to do this, or I don't understand how to do that, or explain this scripture, explain that scripture. Well, I tell you what, tell them what the Lord has done in your life. Amen. Tell them how the Lord revealed himself to you and how he came to you at your moment of need. That's what people need to hear. 
There are obviously planned places to witness, but there are also unplanned. Those unplanned places. You ever just found yourself in some weird situation, some strange situation, something that somewhere you didn't really plan on being, but all of a sudden you find yourself there? That's why we need to be sure that we don't curse every every place and everything that happens to us. God may have allowed something to happen in our lives to put us somewhere. Because he needs somebody to hear your voice and to hear your testimony. For example, Paul was in the city of Athens to meet Timothy because they were going to have a crusade in Corinth, a citywide crusade. But while he waited, there was an unplanned witness in the marketplace and on Mars Hill. He went for an organized effort, but God had an unplanned effort in mind. He said, while you're here, I wanna share something with you. And so this not only illustrates Paul's readiness to witness everywhere and at any time, but I think it also should serve as a challenge for us to be able to always be willing to change our plan, to realize I need to do this, I need to, I need to be here, I need to speak into this life. Amen, while we're waiting for that golden opportunity, while we're waiting for that incredible moment, that, that, that moment that is sure to give birth to some great testimony, Here's something we should not forget. We should not forget the ripe season of sitting in a church service. This may be one of the most grand opportunities to witness that we'll ever have. Every church service can be a golden opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. And so we ought to make an effort to evangelize every soul in every service. Now that's not to imply that we should embarrass guests or ridicule others by obvious doctrinal differences. Amen, evangelism is about the announcement of good news and not condemnation of others. Amen, salvation is the goal of the gospel, not condemnation. And so while we're in a service, what a great time to be talking about the Holy Ghost. What a great time to be talking about what repentance did for our lives. Amen. And while the preacher's preaching on that or whoever that may be, not just because it's me this morning, but while somebody's speaking on that, if you can relate to that, there ought to be some hearty amens in the congregation so that people People are not, they're not just convinced that there's only one person that's ever had this experience. When we're talking about what water baptism in Jesus' name did for our sins, amen, as far as washing and remitting our sins, there ought to be something in our heart, amen, that responds to that. When we talk about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, amen, I want to just think about not some date in time, but there needs to be all of us that go back in our heart. I'm thankful for that. Amen, what a great witness that is to those that are around us. But you know, that's, those are just one-time events, so to speak. We repent, should repent all the time. Amen. Those are maybe one-time experiences in life. But hear me today. I'm thankful for the joy of the Holy Ghost every day. I didn't just get the Holy Ghost one night. Amen. I'm thankful for the joy of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the desire to be in church, the desire to be a worshiper of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's changed my life. It absolutely has changed my life. Clearly, the church's responsibility is far more reaching than just these four walls, far more reaching than just your family and your nucleus of friends. The church's responsibility is to the whole world. God does not distinguish between the fields of evangelism because they're all important. So when we think about missions in North America, we hear the term North America missions. 
That is our term in our particular organization for home missions, for a new church, for church plants. So we think about missions in North America. Evangelism in North America is evangelism, of course, that is near to home. This is our cities. This is our states. And although we have churches in every state in the union, there are several states that barely are touched with the gospel. When you consider the many cities that do not have an apostolic church, then we have to come to one conclusion that the mission field ahead of us and before us is apparent. The mission efforts throughout North America encompass many areas of ministries. For, for example, there's a great need to reach many people through ethnic ministries because a vast harvest field is not getting ripe, but it is already ripe. When we think about our college campuses, when we think about our school campuses, when you think about jails or prisons or nursing homes or assisted living facilities, and the list could go on and on and on there, these all represent mission fields that are right here in North America, amen, to share the good news of the gospel with. All of these fields need laborers. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers, the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so while focusing on missions nearer to home, sometimes if we are not careful, sadly we will forget the mission of our evangelistic efforts within our own homes. There can be members of our families who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we need to think about North America missions. We also, of course, need to consider global missions. Since North America is our homeland, then we often think of evangelistic efforts throughout the rest of the world as global missions. Global missionary efforts reach out to distant places. There's no doubt that the masses of people live far away from us that are lost and they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it is the church's responsibility to get that gospel to them. John chapter four, verse 35, say ye not there are four months and then come of the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. Amen. And so there is North American missions where we are working actively to plant churches, to grow churches and congregations. There's global missions around the world where we are actively involved in these efforts. But let me say this again today. Just because you're a member of a giving church and you're a member of a church that's involved in North American missions and global missions doesn't necessarily mean you're involved in it. Amen. So don't let ourselves off the hook you're only involved in it if you're involved in it. Amen. If you're a giver to global missions, then you are involved in it. If you're a, a giver to North American missions, then you're involved in that. And so we must give and we must pray. Spreading the gospel, whether it's around the country or around the world, certainly needs and requires finance. If there were more money appropriated for missions, we could plant more of the gospel seed and the harvest would even be greater. Although it's been said many times, it is still true. While we can't all go, we can all give. So how could I be a part of global missions? How could I be a part of changing the world? Be a giver. Give to global missions. Give to North America missions. Amen, that can change 
that can change the complexion of a life that you may never meet on this side of eternity. It does not take a call, nor does it require a burden to give. And here's why I say that. It doesn't, we don't have to be called to give. We don't have to have a burden to give. The scripture commands that we give of our time and our finances to reach the lost. And so having the need presented should be enough for us to respond to the command to reach the lost. So along with giving of finances, there's also a great need of prayer, a great need of prayer. Most missionaries, while visiting their, our local churches in America, if you will notice this, they primarily point out three things that are their greatest need. The need of the lost, where they are, where God has called them. They many, most always will point out the need of the lost. They will obviously point out the need for finance because the scripture says whether we like it or not, money answereth all things. You can't do anything without money. And so this is not up here just another preacher talking about money. This is being realistic. We can't reach the world if people do not give. And I thank you for being such a great giving church. But the third thing that every missionary will underline is their need for prayer. If you can't, give anything, if you can't do anything, if you can just pray for us, pray for us. Now that's more than just waving our hands saying praise the Lord, Lord God. But they are often things that are, we are they're often things we are given as, as reminders. I know some of our North American missions names have been printed on different things and that's what this, ha- this particular bookmark happens to be, reminds us to pray, to pray for them. And so we must pray for them. They're all important. All of these things are important. The need of the loss and certainly the need of finance, but, the, but we cannot overstate the importance of prayer the importance of prayer. The Bible says this in Matthew 9, 38, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so there is no, perhaps there is no more accurate barometer to our spiritual status as a church than our response to evangelism. Maybe that's the barometer that really tells where we are spiritually. Programs, nice facilities, and the surplus of talent will never take the place of the command, go. Go. Couple Jesus' command, go ye to all the world with his statement, ye shall be witnesses. It's obvious that the responsibility of evangelism falls on all of us. Evangelism of souls is is the church's primary mission. Whether it's a lost soul around the world or a lost soul across the street, we're obligated to reach out with the gospel because with God, there is no distinction whatsoever between the importance of either soul, whether they're on this soil or that soil. They are all equally important to to him. And so reaching with the gospel to those that are near or to those that are far is the mission of the church. And must not, must we not only go with the saving message of Jesus Christ, but we must also go with finances. We must also go with prayer. Amen. That is how we're going to reach the world with the gospel. It's been said evangelism is what we do for God and revival is what God does for us. If we would do more for God, he would certainly do more for us. Amen. So I want to be committed one more time to the call of evangelism. This is how the church is born. 
This is why there are churches in North America. This is why you were able to hear somebody preach the saving gospel of Jesus Christ because somebody gave, somebody went, somebody prayed. Amen. That's why we're here today. So you can resent prayer if you want to, but prayer is what brought us here. You can resent giving if you want to, but somebody gave. That's why we're, that's why we're here today. Amen. We can, we can resent going all we want to, but somebody went. And because somebody went, somebody was willing to be used of God, that gospel made its way not just to our heart, but to our ear. And we responded to that gospel. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. Aren't you? Praise God. Somebody went. Somebody went. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together, shall we? Amen. I am so thankful. I am so thankful for the privilege that God has given me to know him. And that opportunity now is placed right here at our arms. We know him. Share what you do know. Share what you do know. And let the Spirit of God change us. Amen. By changing others. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.